0: Hello, and welcome back to the Futurism at J2 podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ricardo, and today's topic is privacy and
1: security. So, Ricardo, why don't you take it away? I know you have an awesome story. Uh, Kind of awesome and a little bit creepy, depending on how you want to look at it. So uh, I go to Mexico every year to visit family. I'm from there. I grew up there. And so last time we went, we actually went uh, this summer. And the difference between all the times that I've gone so far and this time was the fact that I went on plane just because of time constraints. Uh, we usually drive there. And the process for crossing the border from Mexico back into the U.S. is pretty easy. So you just go there, you hand in your documents, you know, your U.S. passport, make sure that um, they make sure that the documents are le- legitimate and that everybody's passport who is in the car are there. Um, you know, they just check basic stuff. They call up names. Make sure everybody's in there. Good to go. Hand them back, and then you're, you know, on your way back to, you know, a place in the U.S. Uh, but this time when I went and actually came back to the U.S. by plane at the airport, the process was actually a little bit different. My dad was uh, ready to hand out the passport to had him on his hand. So we reached the the person who was checking uh, those documents. And, you know, my dad was ready to approach him and just give him the documents, make sure everything's good to go and move on. Uh, but this time it was a little bit different. They actually had us, um, you know, wait for a little bit. And they made each one of us stand in a particular spot. And it wasn't until everybody was done doing whatever we had to do in that particular spot that I noticed that we were actually in front of a webcam. And it's not like an expensive or specialized webcam either. It's a webcam that I've actually looked into buying before for online classes, uh, back when those were a more relevant thing, now that we have, you know, uh, IRL classes. Uh, it's actually the Logitech C920, which is an HD webcam. You know, anybody can buy this. And it will. And that webcam was attached to a computer system. And although I'm not exactly sure, I didn't ask, but I'm pretty sure what they did is they had um, the camera scanner faces, uh, and see if we were in the database for people with valid U.S. passports. Because whenever each one of us stood in front of the camera, a few seconds later, like maybe one or two seconds um, after we stood there, uh, the person would just call out our names exactly as they were, and we would just answer yes, and then, you know, we would move on to the next person. Which I thought was really odd, because I've never experienced that, and passing through the border was just completely different. We'd actually had the hand out physical passports but this time it wasn't like that it was completely digital my dad never had to hand in his physical or our physical um uh, u.s passports and i what i believe it to be is that our faces were just scanned for recognizing if we were in the passport database which a little bit creepy and a little bit cool in both ways so i'll take i'll you know you guys can think about if it's creepy or not but yeah that's essentially sort of the primer for this uh, topic that we're gonna be talking about, which deals with a lot of security issues and things of that sort. So do you think
0: that made the whole process, like did it make the process faster and like was it more convenient
1: for you guys? I think it definitely sort of made it faster. Uh, It was a little bit weird and I think it was a little bit more convenient because usually it takes around like five minutes Five minutes to check like passports, make sure they're all right and, you know, move on. But this time it took like maybe like two minutes for us, everybody to line up, get their faces scanned (laughs) and, you know, move on to that. That was basically it, right? We, they just called our names, scanned us, called our names. If we responded yes, that was pretty much it. We, it was pretty hassle free, I will say. So.
0: And you said this is on the U.S. side, right? So the U.S. going into Mexico?
1: Yes. And that's actually one of the things that I forgot to say. Uh, so when we were going from the U.S. to Mexico, so, you know, we were we landed at an airport in Mexico and, you know, we passed through immigration there. And there we actually had to hand in our physical passports. It was okay. an actual person. Gotcha. Like looking at the documents, whereas in the U.S. side, whenever we were going through immigration to get into the U.S., it was the camera-based system.
0: Okay, so I think this kind of raises the point of like, so so Mexico basically did it the traditional way with the documents, the yeah. physical documents, and then the U.S. side did it with, I guess it was facial recognition, basically, That's what right? I would
1: assume so, because it used a camera and just had us stay in like a particular spot. So I'm curious, is this,
0: like, w- what is the legality of using facial recognition? Because... Is this like something that is written in law, like border, whatever, like c- customs and border patrol and whatever, like they can use whatever technology they want or is it something that's just not regulated so they can kind of just do whatever? Like, what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm not exactly sure on those. I don't, <laughs> so don't quote me on the legality. I don't want to get in like, uh, legal trouble. But what I would presume is that they have special rights to be able to do that, so they have some sort of uh special legality to do that. Because I know that you know with a lot of concerns happening around facial recognition and especially control that comes with the software. Uh, I know that you can't necessarily implement it with a lot of stuff like police. Before have tried to implement it, but you know it hasn't gone through. Same thing with other forms of legal action or industries. Uh, but you know that hasn't happened. But that was it. It was pretty notable to see. Um. Uh, you know border patrol essentially or immigration being able to use that technology so i'm pretty sure they have a special permit and it in my opinion it might also be sort of like a trial run to see how well that technology works you know very you know quote-unquote like safe environment where it no you know you're not going to necessarily get arrested like the worst thing that can happen is just having to check the physical documents uh to make sure that you're actually you know Legally entering the country and stuff like that, so I think that's the way they're trying to do it. So you know, test the software in a pretty safe and you know regularly regular environment, uh so they can perfect this sort of stuff. But I definitely think it's like a specialized license; they probably have to be able to do this. Okay, and wait, did you say you were wearing a mask while you're doing this? No, they actually had to, had us take the mask. Like we had a mask inside of the airport, and they were like, "Okay, take the mask off." Oh, okay. So that's why I'm like pretty sure it
0: was facial recognition cuz I'm I'm curious like what mask wearing cuz I remember reading an article probably a couple months ago. Don't quote me on this. <laughs> you should fact check this yourself, but yes. it was like it's like facial recognition is still over like 90 or 95% like accurate even with masks on. Yeah. Like it can still tell which I find kind of crazy. Yeah. Like the mask provide very limited protection from facial recognition like it's an extremely advanced technology so in a way like if you're ever in a public space where there's you know cameras and you know assuming they're you know doing facial recognition like there's no way to hide from it right like it they're just always tracking you like this reminds me of um in china for example they've kind of completely blanketed like all the cities and just like spy cameras like everywhere like i've heard obviously all in the public spaces but even like outside people's like homes and stuff i've heard yeah again do your own research on this but it's kind of crazy to me like how to me that seems really dystopian like i don't know if you've read the book like 1984 definitely like big brother george orwell a lot
1: of you guys listening probably have read this in school before yeah i've heard of the title but like,
0: like it really feels 1984 dystopian to me like they know where everyone is all the time you combine like facial recognition with like your like internet footprint and stuff yeah and they pretty much know everything you're doing and where you are who you are at all times yeah to me that's just i mean this is like like this wasn't a problem like 30 years or whatever 50 years ago like It's kind of the dawn of the internet and ai and mass surveillance that's kind of made privacy i feel like non-existent like i don't know maybe i would put this up for debate but do you think we have a reasonable assumption of privacy anymore like is privacy a thing like is it even is it even like a valid word anymore like Uh, I don't
1: know. I think the only privacy that you could attain realistically in today's world is if if you were like a hermit living in the middle of the forest (laughs) with no like technology, Uh, because, you know, everything's so connected, right? If you have a job, you have to connect to the people in your job somehow. You have to perform internet searches. You have to, you know, essentially give out all this information to create a, as much as I hate to say it, like a digital version of yourself out there, which people can track Yeah, and the government surely does I'm sure they do to some extent you know Uh, but yeah I I definitely feel like realistically there is no real sense of privacy as it was maybe like 30 years ago right Uh, just because everything's so connected and the fact that we depend so much on this technology sort of uh, makes us vulnerable to a lot of these breaches in our privacy that we couldn't even imagine before
0: yeah I mean like Think about, about all the information that you have on your, you know, like phone and computer, like it's your whole life, you know? Yeah. It's it's really, everything we do is online. Like there's so little, you, you can tell pretty much everything about a person based on their like, all their, history. on their search history, their photos, like everything. Um, I guess going back to the China example, another interesting thing that's going on there is this social credit system. Right. Where basically, you know, on top of the, <laughs> they can track everything everyone is doing. Yeah. Um, they can give people basically like credit scores, you know, like credit card, they can like track your like spending and right, right. spending habits and like give you a credit score. This is basically like a social credit score. So like your criminal history and like the ways you behave yeah, yeah. and giving you a score based on that. So like how, how exemplary of a citizen you are. And basically, the idea is the higher your score, like the more benefits and stuff you have, and like if it gets too low, like that's not good like you're on the the government's like bad side, yeah um so i'm I'm interested what you think about that like do you think this is I kind of see it as like it could be used for good, but it also be used for bad, yeah, it's like it's also very dystopian where it's like they have ultimate control over everything everyone does,
1: yeah, but at the same
0: time. That also I think brings a lot of security because you can track everything everyone does which means you can easily track criminals right you can prevent like fraudulent activity and stuff like that so there's definitely the it, it goes back to the core of the issue which is like <laughs> giving up your privacy right for potentially more security yeah so yeah what do you what do you think about the social credit system
1: uh I think it's a super tricky situation I feel like the way that at least uh, china's implementing it is not great uh purely because the social credit system again do your research i'm not too over on this but from what i've heard the social credit system is more dependent on like your affiliation with the government and your like like likeness of the government rather than being a good person so at least in china's like interpretation of social credit i think it's a little bit different but the idea as a whole i feel like brings a lot of questions especially ethical ones yeah Uh, you know because everybody has different experiences with everybody else you know you can't really know a person unless you meet them um and one of the things that like a social credit or a type of scoring system would do is or you know you have to watch everybody there's sort of like this sense like would you feel safer if everybody was maybe in your like neighborhood everybody was watching everybody 24 7 Sure, but at the same time, it's a little bit creepy, right? Yeah. Like, you're sleeping, people are watching you. It's really one of value of And technically, I guess that, in a way, like, yeah, that would prevent people from doing bad stuff because, you know, you would immediately be able to tell. Um, but personally, I feel like privacy, in a way, has a little bit more importance than security, just due to personal autonomy. Right. Just being able to do things, um, because at the end of the day, uh, a lot of people have differing opinions. What the majority considers to be good might not necessarily be the actual good. Of course, we have like ethical discussions. We try to uh, make like general responsibilities as good for everybody as possible. There are instances where a lot of things are more opinion based rather than factual where a lot of the information can be slated in one way or another, and the general population or general public's consensus on a specific subject might not necessarily be what you consider to be right, or might in fact be actually right, depending on you know who you're siding with. Uh, but it, it definitely does bring a sense of security though, uh, to the whole thing. Especially, I feel like online is one of the things that like it's specifically like useful for, in a way. Uh, but we have... Things such as like the Tor browser, we've talked about like countless times, but the fact that that was developed, you know, by the U.S. government to be able to deliver secret messages and, you know, information that essentially couldn't be um, encrypted, I guess you could call it, Uh, you know, that could just be spread around without um, fears. And, you know, of course, we know like the darknet has a lot of bad stuff in it. But at the same time, a lot of people are using it for dissemination of information where countries don't necessarily allow for that type of thing. So in a way, being able to be anonymous, being able to have a sense of privacy brings (laughs) a sense of security amongst all the bad stuff that's happening. So... Ooh. Which is also... That's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like a whole different type of security. Dang. I guess that also reminds me of... um there's like this Minecraft server thing like called like the Library of Alexandria. Yeah, yeah. Where like people can go and like access like uncensored like articles, like journal articles that are like blocked in their countries. Yeah. So I think like allowing people to access like free journalism, that that's another thing that I guess a lack of privacy does is I really wonder what it does with the dissemination of information and unobstructed journalism, right? Because, like, think if we're journalists, right, for example, and, you know, we're in China, and China's watching every move. Right. We say something bad, even if it's not, you know, on purpose. And, like, we end up in jail or worse. You know, it's... What does that do to the psyche of, like, journalists? You know what I mean? Like, that, to me, is really worrying because... I mean, you know, I guess this is more worrisome in a country like the U.S. where, you know, we have a democracy or like a facade of a democracy. Right, and like right. there should always be freedom of press and freedom to of speech. Um, but I really wonder how that would look if the U.S. started implementing more of the stuff that's going on in like China and what that would do to our freedoms, I guess, of speech and journalism and stuff like that.
1: Uh, I personally think that it would be like super obstructive to free journalism in the way that you obviously you don't want to do anything that will in, like you know make people go against you, be it the government or other people. And I think even though this is a little bit of an extreme ex- extreme example in some cases, like you can look at like Twitter, for example, right? We all know that you know Twitter is a great place where a lot of scandals usually happen and a lot of debates <laughs> have gone. Uh, for good and bad reasons, right? I won't say that Twitter hasn't done bad, but also that it hasn't done good either. Um uh, in some in some cases. But like I guess that's also an, an example of that. Like think about your ability to post something on Twitter, right? Uh like I'm pretty sure that to a general person, if they were to post something on Twitter, they really have to t- think twice about what they're posting, not only because is it correct, but is it agreeable to the people that use Twitter? not even like your own thoughts and opinions, because we know the type of people that sometimes frequent those sites and what they like to do, right? There have been cases of, you know, people making very bad comments, uh, be it obviously like really bad ones, or it might just be more opinionated ones, where the harm isn't necessarily there as much. It might just be the fact that you don't like a show or you just don't like a character from a show. And it sparks into this whole debate where, you know, bad things have happened. People have been doxxed, you know, threat, like little threats have been at their door. Um, You know, things of a big magnitude where the only thing you did is state an opinion which didn't go with the general public's uh, perception of that opinion. Um, So I think Twitter is sort of like the way to look at like what would happen if the government were to always watch your every move in a way. I feel like in that same way, instead of, like, people randomly doing that to you, it might be the government, it might be your neighbors around you, uh, and, you know, you'll be a lot more fearful, and think twice a lot of the times between what you're saying and what would be agreeable to the general public, just because obviously you don't want to get hurt, right? Uh, Which I think is personally super dangerous. I think the way to combat this, instead of mass surveillance and, you know, cracking down on people, is to have more conversations, right? I feel like understanding is the way to pave a road to the future rather than cracking down on quote unquote bad actors just because you don't agree with them or at least that's my opinion
0: Mm. yeah that's a really good point um this is this is kind of changing the discussion but you know since we are in maryland right and obviously there was a whole issue with these spy planes basically like circling the area would you do you want to talk about that a little yes
1: uh so if you guys don't know already uh there there was i'm not i'm pretty sure the um the project isn't going on still just due to the gigantic backlash that happened but um back and and i'm just you know citing an article from um let's see the uh, bloomberg business week um by uh Um, you know, it's essentially talking about the fact that back in 2015, 2016, I believe, uh, a private um, essentially like security contractor uh, with this company uh, decided to reach out to Baltimore PD to get their service to be used by them. Essentially, what happened is a million or, you know, a rich person somewhere decided to give this company a grant. Um, The only way to get the grant, though, was to secure at least some space where they could use the technology and you know they reached out to different uh, cities different you know states uh, nothing worked until they got to Maryland and more specifically Baltimore PD uh, then they were able to reach an agreement where um, Baltimore PD would essentially let this company help Baltimore PD crack down on different things uh, and essentially Baltimore PD didn't have to pay anything because this whole ordeal or this trial run if you will was paid by the millionaire somewhere, somewhere else. Uh, and so essentially, because of that, they you know Baltimore PD decided not to disclose information regarding the fact that this private security company or technology company, if you will, uh, was essentially flying a plane over the skies of Baltimore that would essentially track everybody's movements. Albeit, uh, you couldn't necessarily like zoom in on people and know exactly who they were. But, you know, if you can follow a dot on a map, that in combination with already cam like round cameras that they already have around, it's pretty easy to spot who did what. And the fact that people <clears throat> weren't made aware of this is extremely alarming. Of course, you know, Baltimore PD can say that their they sent like their department didn't pay for this, so they didn't necessarily need or had the feel to give this information out to the world. But it's so alarming that, you know, this thing happened and that a lot of people were affected by this. Sure, it might have been for a good cause, cracking down on crime. You know, we obviously don't want um, bad things to happen or people to get hurt. But at the same time, you kind of have to uh, think about the repercussions that it can have on certain communities. Right. Uh, maybe you're bringing more law enforcement to certain areas that will just increase, you know, interactions with police that might end up in like bad places where otherwise that wouldn't have been the case um you know different things of that sort but it was pretty interesting the fact that all this happened without the public knowing right so it just kind of makes you wonder of like how many other things might be happening that aren't necessarily disclosed yet true
0: that also raises the point of like other uses of like facial recognition and surveillance and stuff like for example like racial discrimination right like this technology makes it so much easier to discriminate against people, you know, for you know, you just like put in the a keyword or something or right. whatever, whatever you're looking for, and you can literally track people. Um, you know, and it's easier than ever before. And that is also very worrying. Um, this reminds me, I know I was talking with Max one time and he mentioned this, um, I think it was movie, person of interest that basically discusses like the intersection of mass surveillance and AI. And it kind of got into some of this topic. So if you're looking for a cool movie to watch, yeah, definitely suggest that. There's also like the Snowden and like Citizen Four movies, which also discuss like, um, like privacy issues and, um, I guess more like personal device issues, I guess, and like how the government uses our information, which is also really interesting. Um, and actually on the, on the topic of personal devices, um, I guess what, like, because I guess the two main companies right now are Apple and Samsung, right? Right. Apple's like this closed source, presumably more secure system. And then you have Samsung, which is like open source, right? Android. Yeah. Right? Linux kernel, whatever. I mean, you know more. You're the CS. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about these? Like, yeah, yeah. So, like, just systems? going over
1: the basic differences of these. Uh, iOS, like you said, is very close. You know, they everything they do in house. Even their chips nowadays, their phones are done in house. Both for like, like you know, their desktop computers and laptops to their phones. So everything is very integrated, very close. So they manage everything. Nobody gets to touch their information. It's all theirs. Uh, as opposed to Samsung and all these other companies who are on Android which is actually open source based on the Linux kernel. Uh, Linux kernel is essentially just like a basic set of uh, code that will essentially make the operating system for it could be a desktop, could be uh, you know anything else and especially you know Android, which is what a lot of other uh, phones run on uh, which makes it good and bad in two senses. Uh, one, iOS is closed so you can't really do much about it but the fact that Linux kernel is open source means that technically, if you have the capabilities to do this, uh, you can technically make your own phone that is devoid of all these tracking you know, apps, uh, which is good. But I think <laughs> one of the questions to raise is the fact that how much can we genuinely rely on applications that are not connected to major servers, right? Mm. Because sure. so many of the devices, so many of the technologies that we use, be it apps, be it uh, programs, they're connected to servers that enable them to talk to one another, make things more seamless. Where if you disconnect yourself from that environment, yeah. it's almost like just not having a phone, in a world where you kind of need one to be able to communicate this <laughs> with people. Sure. True. So, which I don't know, raises the question of like, have we become a little bit too dependent on devices, and how has this dependency like actually impacted our ability to stray away from being targeted or being mass surveilled? Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, also on the topic of like personal device use, what browser or browsers would you say are most secure like people, that people should right.
1: use? Uh, in my personal opinion, um, I haven't done a lot of research on this. The one I personally use is um, Firefox just because it has a little bit of everything, I would say. It's not um, too bare bones to where you can't really add customization. You can't do a lot of stuff, but it does have a lot of protective features, which I really like. Uh, I would say that this is better in terms of security than, um, and like everybody uses Google Chrome, but Google Chrome. Uh, another one that I've heard about, which, you know, I've seen ads for this, so don't quote me on this. This isn't like really what it is, but Brave Browser, I've seen um, them market themselves as like the solution to browsers that don't take any information. Uh, for actually search engines, the one that I would recommend and that I know for a fact people use is DuckDuckGo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want a browser, maybe not like an actual, uh, you know, search. Name, I mean, and a search engine, not a browser. So if you want a search engine that doesn't keep track of your data and stuff, go use DuckDuckGo. If that, if you want to do that, if you don't want to switch browsers, uh, browsers for that, at least for the PC side, right? You have what I would recommend: Brave Browser and uh, Firefox. And then for iOS, I would, if you want to, and if you really don't mind, I would say use just Safari. Yeah. Uh, because you know that's tightly integrated into the Apple ecosystem. Uh, nobody really touches that data except for Apple. And you know, for one company to touch your, that data is better than to have <coughs> two or three of them. Yeah, for touch sure. Touch that data. So I would, I would say, if you're running like Mac OS or. An iPhone to use, um, you know, Safari, if you don't really need a lot of the fancy other stuff that, you know, these other browsers kind of want to give you in exchange for your data. <laughs> cool.
0: All right. So with that, <laughs> go check out those browsers and search engines, go check out the movies you recommended. Think about, I guess in your personal life, like, do you think privacy or security, like what is more worth it or does it depend on the context? Um, but I think it's a really interesting conversation. I think it's a question we should be asking ourselves, especially in the age of all these amazing technologies like AI and surveillance and facial recognition. Um, and with that, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you, Ricardo. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. All right, see ya. Bye.